0: We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to today's message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. Now here's Pastor Muta. So last week, we talked about the fact that life doesn't give you spoilers. We talked about how a lot of times when I'm watching movies, I can't stand the anxiety that comes with not knowing the end from the beginning. So I preach that message, and then we go home, and we start watching a movie. And about three quarters into the movie, I'm like, y'all, pause. And I went to find the spoiler, because I needed to know how to get through this anxiety of what was going on in this in this movie like what is really going to happen and life doesn't give us spoilers but God gives us promises and we know that his word is sure and so uh, we jumped to God's word and and it was in Philippians 4 through seven. And uh, uh, it's Paul talking to uh, the Philippian church who's seemingly in a situation where everything is falling apart. Everything in front of them seems uncertain. And he tells them, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Uh, But the the premise that he's coming about when he's saying do not be anxious is a clause that we, we tend to forget about in the verse prior to. It's a statement that says the Lord is At hand. So everything he says after that statement, when we're trying to hack anxiety, one of the things that we need to realize is God is at hand. The Lord is at hand. Jesus Christ is close. He is near. That's why we shouldn't be anxious. He says with everything in prayer, meaning talk to God. In supplication means bring your request to God. Talk to him. Ask him. And with thanksgiving, Make your requests known to God. He says, listen, if you're anxious, hey, have a conversation with God. Tell him what you need, and then thank him for what he's done and what he will do. And he says, what's going to be the result of that? He says, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in the name of Jesus Christ. And as we looked at, Jesus Christ, His name is also Emmanuel, which means God with us. Meaning, therefore, the Lord is near. God is close to you. Do not be anxious. Talk to him. Ask him. Thank him. And the peace of God is going to come near to you. Why? Because God is with us. Emmanuel. God is here. And so... We, we realize that maybe we need to just have a conversation with God. And so yesterday, I, I encountered uh, a somebody who was in service last week. And they called me over to the side and said, I, I just really needed to talk to you. I wanted to tell you how much that message impacted to me because there's some things that are going on in my life. There's some transitions going on in my life. There's some anxiety happening in my life that I needed to talk to God about. I needed to get some clarity, some, some, some freedom. And so this individual tells me that they were driving in the car and they remembered the bottom line of last week's message. Start talking. God is a father, not a force. Start talking. And so as they're driving, they just start speaking as if Jesus is sitting right there next to them. And they said they received just so much peace, so much clarity that everything that happened, they were able to see some breakthroughs take place in their life. And how many of us need a breakthrough in our life? There's a situation somewhere in our life where we're like, God, I just need you to come through for me. And I've started talking, but let me ask you a question, folks. What happens when the breakthrough doesn't come? See, it's it's, it's real easy to come to church and be encouraged. God is with us. He is for us, not against us. No weapon formed against us will prosper. It is true. All of those words are absolutely sure. But what happens when your reality is different than your prayers? What happens when you've been praying so long about something and you're praying for your breakthrough, but you're still feeling broken? Uh, what happens when you're praying for God to open up the doors and all you're receiving is closed doors is God good when life is not see this is one of those messages where I'm like god I don't want to preach that message it's going to be quiet just like this people aren't going to be laughing I'm not going to see a lot of smiles in the audience. Because here's the reality. If you've lived 2.5 years on this earth, you will realize that not everything happens your way. Not everything that you want to take place takes place. What do you do when your prayers seemingly go unanswered? Is God fair when life is not? I remember one of my uncles, Uncle Bertram, my mom's older brother, my dad's best friend, one of my favorite uncles. I used to hang out at his house all the time, grew up with him. He was just one of the heroes of the family, doing amazing things in life. He came to visit, and he'd already lost his wife. His wife had died, so my cousins had lost their mom. And Uncle Bertram, which was this just larger-than-life character. He was charismatic. He was funny. He was witty. He had everything going for him. He fell sick while he was visiting with my parents. And he fell desperately ill. But here's the thing. Right before he had fell sick, we had been praying for him. My, my parents had been praying for him because Uncle Bertram did not know Jesus. He really he was kind of like an agnostic. He just, kinda, he just lived his life and just really didn't want anything. He didn't really care. It's like, you know what? Life is what life is. And he came to the faith of the saving knowledge of Jesus, and you saw so much joy on his life, and you saw so much fruit beginning to grow out of his life. So much new hope and new vision, and if we thought Uncle Bertram was a visionary before, you should have heard the visions that he had after he became a Christian. He just became even greater than he always was. And then he fell sick. Uncle Bertram got worse and got worse and got worse. And we're sitting there thinking, God, he's just become a Christian. What's going on? This is a good man. He's never really hurt anybody in life. He's been a good father. He's been a good husband. He's done everything that he's supposed to do. Uh, Why is he sick? And so we did what good Christians would do. We we called the elders, like uh, like Paul says in Scripture, call the elders of somebody sick. Let them lay hands on him. Let them anoint him with oil. Pray over him. And and we called them, and they prayed, and they prayed, and Uncle Bertram's condition just got worse. But we were believing in faith. See, we we understood that God is a God of miracles and God saves people. And we remember that four years prior, my dad was in the same situation and he was on his deathbed. And we called the elders to come and pray. And they anointed him with oil and they prayed over him. And the doctor said, whoa, this is miraculous. This man was on his deathbed and now he's alive. Praise God. But the same thing was not happening with Uncle Bertram. And I saw Uncle Bertram's life deteriorate until the point where my mother lost her brother. And my dad lost his best friend. And I lost one of my favorite uncles. And I watched him die a slow and painful death and in that moment you look at text like therefore uh, the Lord is at hand do not be anxious talk to him ask him thank him the peace of God it will come over you it will guard your heart and your mind because Christ Jesus is God with us where were you God where are you God, this situation is still keeping me down. This situation is not getting any better. God, what happened? See, it's easy to talk about the victory, but what happens when you're living in defeat? What happens when when you think the breakthrough is going to take place, and and when it does, you're excited about it, but what happens when the breakthrough doesn't come? Is God good when life is not? Second Corinthians. The writer, Paul. He's a church planter. He's doing the work of the Lord. He's leading thousands and thousands of people to faith in Jesus. He's planting churches all over the region. He's blessed by God. He was personally called by Jesus. Listen, I got a call to be a a preacher and a minister of the gospel, but he had Jesus actually stop him dead in his tracks and talk to him and say, Listen, I need you to go be a voice for me. He had a personal encounter, an audible encounter with Jesus Christ. He was blessed. He was doing right. He was living the life that he was supposed to. In fact, he talks about in this text earlier that God had given him so much revelation that was more than anybody else. He dedicated his life to doing God's work. But we see something take place in verse 7 that's quite interesting. Is God good when life is not? Verse 7 says, So to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, everything that God was teaching him and showing him, a thorn, everybody say a thorn, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. says this this thorn that came into my flesh was to keep me from becoming conceited. Sometimes we know when issues come up in our lives, we know exactly what it is. Have you ever made a mistake and had to deal with the consequences of your mistakes? And you're like, listen, I can't get out of this one. It's my fault. This is my bad. This one's on me. And then there's some times when things happen and you have no clue what's going on in your life. But here's the deal. Whether there are consequences because of what you did or situations that you don't know what came about, the reality is it still hurts. It's still painful. He says a thorn. This word thorn means a sharp stake. It's as if somebody is taking a a wooden stake, Kenny, and jamming you in your side. It hurts. It hurts. He says it feels like a, a stake, a, a wooden stick with a sharp edge was was stuck in my side. I had a thorn in my flesh. And so researchers have have dug into this text and try to uh, uh, break down what exactly was what was Paul uh, dealing with and what what exactly was the situation here. And there's a couple of theories that have come out. Nobody knows exactly what the thorn in the flesh was, but. He called this thing a messenger of Satan. It's got to be bad. Some said maybe it was the pain of ministry. He planted all these churches, and he's preaching the gospel. These people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. He's saying, hey, listen, don't do that, and they go do the exact opposite of what he's telling them to do. I don't know if there's any other preachers in here, but if if you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about trying to teach your kids the right way and they're going a different direction. Or maybe this was a tax on his ministry. Maybe he had a lot of people coming against the teachings that he was doing. So he's 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 maybe dealing with the anxiety and the pressure of people coming against him. Have you ever just had somebody come against you and you're like, I don't even know why you just want to leave me alone. I don't even like you. I don't even talk to you. Why are you always messing with me? All the youth were like, yup. happened this week at school. Uh, Some say maybe it was ongoing sin. Remember, Paul says earlier in in Romans, he says, the good that I want to do, I don't do. But the things I don't want to do, those are the things I find myself doing. Oh, my God, who's going to save me from this body of sin, of death? What wretched soul that I am. They're saying maybe this thorn in his flesh was this nagging sin that kept on coming up that he thought he had gotten over and he would go months and he says, I'm over this. And then he would stumble again. Then he'll go six months and then he'll stumble again. And he's saying, I can't get rid of it. God, why do I keep falling? Why do I keep making mistakes? And maybe somebody is here today. There's something that you think you can beat and for some reason it keeps beating you down and you can't realize why you can't shake it. Maybe it was a physical ailment. Uh, there's another text in Scripture where Paul is talking about people were talking uh, ill about me. They saw my physical condition and they thought, uh, "Listen, this guy—I can't believe this guy's the one preaching the gospel because he does not look like the person who needs to be preaching the gospel." Some people have said maybe Paul was blind. Maybe there was something issue with him. He he had a, he had an impediment in his life that he can't do what he wanted to do. And some say flat out. By him saying that it was a messenger of Satan, maybe it was just straight demonic opposition. I don't know if there are any Christians in here who have dealt with demonic opposition. where you know this is nothing but the pit of hell that is coming against me right now. He says it was given to me. Now listen. Did you see that? So to keep me from becoming... Conceded, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn was given to me. I didn't stumble upon it. It didn't just happen. It was literally given to me, or it was allowed to happen in my life. By who? By God. In context, he's talking about something that happened in his life that came from God. there's some things that take place in our lives uh, that we think it's happenstance, but God is allowing things to take place in our life for whatever reason. And one of the easiest prayers to pray says, why God? Why is this happening to me? I don't understand. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my words, declares the Lord, for as the Lord's Uh, As the heavens, for the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We sit here and we wonder, God, he was a good man. Why did you allow this to happen? God, my family member was a good person. Why did they have to lose their life? God, I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing. Why are my kids acting crazy? God, I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing. Why is my marriage falling apart? God, I'm coming to church. I'm tithing. I'm trying to follow you. Why am I losing my job? Why is uh, my bills not getting paid? Why are things keep happening? God, there's a thorn in my flesh. Verse 8, three times I pleaded. Three times he's going to God and saying, God, please take this thorn away from me. God, please take this addiction away from me. God, please fix my marriage. God, please fix my situation. Three times I went to God and said, will you take this away from me? Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. This three times echoes Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane before he goes to the cross. See, Jesus, uh, Scripture tells us that we don't have a high priest who is Jesus, who is far from the issues of man, but in every single way has been tempted like us. Jesus, before he went to the cross, Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. And anybody who would say like, oh, Jesus went to the cross gladly. No, he didn't. Because when he was in the garden of Gethsemane, he said, God, if you will take this cup away from me, please take it away. If I don't have to go to the cross, I'd rather let's go that way. And three times Jesus went and said, Take this cup away from me. I don't, I, do I really have to go through this? But because God, Jesus was so in tune with the Father, he says, Not my will, but yours be done. My ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts. So, what happens? When the crisis is numbing, what happens when we're not receiving our breakthrough? See, this this is one of those messages where we have to deal with the realities of life. What happens? And here's the deal. Every single one of us, if we haven't dealt with it already, will deal with it at some point in time in our lives. How do we hack discouragement? What happens when the the crisis is so numbing and the suffering is so severe and the pain is overwhelming? Point number one, if you're following along in your teaching sheets, it is in the crisis you find where Christ is. It is in the crisis where you find where Christ is. See, he, he says that this is, to keep me from becoming conceited, to keep me from getting to the point where I think that I'm I'm better than anybody, to think uh, that uh, I am over everything, that I can do this thing on my own. He says, listen, I was given a crisis in my life, and because the crisis came in my life, I recognized where Christ was. How do we know? Verse 9. But he said to me, Do you see that? You don't need to go any further. Paul said three times, I beg God for this thing to go away. But he said to me, what do we talk about about hacking anxiety? The first thing that we need to do is talk to God. He says, but in everything, by prayer By supplication, meaning by asking him, by coming to him and entreating him and saying, God, I need something from you. If you have a conversation with God, when you are in a crisis, you know what? The crisis will reveal what Christ is, but you first are going to have to open your mouth and say something. God, I need you. Then he will say. Three times I pleaded for this thing to go away from him. But he said to me, remember we were in a series about Jonah, about fake love. Jonah got himself in a situation. He tried to run away from God. He put himself in a crisis. Uh, He was in the water about to die. The water had covered, covered his head. And in that moment... He cried out to God in crisis. Jonah two one says this. I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he did what? He answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, out of the body of death, out of the depths of Hades, I cried out, and you heard my voice. You want to hack disappointment? Cry out to God. Uh, Those times in your life that you're finding challenging, those fine times that you're finding there's no breakthrough in my brokenness, talk to God because in crisis you will find that God is here. He is God with us. He is Emmanuel. The Lord is near. He said, I cried out to the God, to God three times, but he said to me, Jeremiah 33, three. This is God speaking. So we've heard everybody else's response. But what does God have to say about this? Call to me and I will answer. Call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. And this is a situation where the prophet Jeremiah is held up. He's in a moment where there's a lack of peace in his life. And he says, God comes to him and says, call out to me. And I will answer. Okay, some of us in here say, but God, I've called out to you. I've prayed. I've done the things that I thought I was supposed to say. Here's the deal. Some of us don't hear God anymore because God has already spoken and we didn't listen to him the first time. Why would he repeat it? Because when God's children speak, he answers us. And a lot of times the answer that we want is not what we get. Sometimes the the very thing that we're praying for to be saved from is the same thing that God wants to save you through. How do we know? In verse 9, he goes on. He said three times I pleaded with the Lord about this in verse 8 that it should leave me but he answered to me and what was his first statement to him my grace is sufficient for you. <laughs> That's not what I wanted to hear, God. God, I, I wanted to I wanted the shouting moment. I wanted the Holy Ghost Pentecostal shouting moment. And God said I will supply all your needs according to the riches in glory. Yeah! That's what I wanted, Jesus. I wanted my Lazarus moment. Jesus, my brother Lazarus has died. Oh, ye of little faith. Lazarus, come forth. Yeah! That's my Jesus. Is God good when life is not? My grace is sufficient. This word grace, it's it's talking about my strength to help you get through this issue is available to you. God said, no, I'm not going to save you from, I'm going to save you through. No, I'm not going to fix the issue because my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. But guess what? You are going to get through it. Sometimes the miracle that we think we're looking for is not the miracle that we get. Sometimes the miracle is us being able to wake up another day in that brokenness itself. Sometimes it's the reality that I'm still here. I faced another day, I went through this brokenness and I'm still here. Everything around me is falling apart, but I'm still here. I remember asking my father. Oh, I grew up, it's not to brag, but I, I grew up when I what, the first eight years of my life, we were incredibly wealthy, incredibly wealthy. I'm talking about stuff that you see on TV. We were incredibly wealthy. And then after the age of eight, some things just happened in our life. where we We lost everything toa we lost everything when 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 my dad used to travel around the world we used to get clothes bikes and everything from europe from all these other places and it was a great life we had maids we had butlers and then After the age of eight, we were living in a two-bedroom apartment. Me and my brother were sharing a bed on the outside uh, in the living room, and we were getting clothes from the community service. And as we got older in life, I said, God, I mean, Dad, why did you think God allowed you to go through that? Point number two. It is in suffering find that Christ is sufficient this is what my father told me he says son when you were younger and I used to pray that prayer give us this day our daily bread I really didn't mean it because I had everything I ever needed it wasn't until I had nothing else that I realized that Christ was sufficient that I didn't need anything but Jesus Christ You know, you sing those songs uh, and you wonder how people wrote these songs. You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. Because there's somebody who's realized that it is in suffering you find out that Christ is all sufficient. You hear the song, Christ is enough for me. I had decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Why? Because somebody was in a moment where they realized that as they were suffering, Christ was sufficient. It wasn't money. It wasn't anything else. It was Jesus Christ. In suffering, Christ is proved sufficient. My grace is sufficient. But God, I need more money. That's not going to help you. My grace is sufficient. God, I need this healing. Hey, guess what? You're going to get healed and you're still going to live in a broken world and you're still going to get sick. Well, God, I need a Lazarus moment. I need a resurrection. But here's the reality. Lazarus died again. It is in suffering you realize that Christ is sufficient. There's nothing on heaven or on earth around on or beneath that will give you the peace and the patience and the, the fulfillment Than Jesus Christ and His ever presence in your life. Last point. Verse, still in verse 9. But He said to me, My grace is sufficient, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Jesus tells him, My power is made perfect in your weakness. And this is Paul's response. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, of my trials, of my pains, of my suffering of that thorn in my flesh. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardship, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Yeah, we can clap on that. Point number three. It is in the pain that you find. That Christ is powerful. Is in the pain that you find out that Christ is powerful. Here's the bottom line God is good even when life is bad, God is still good. When life is bad. God is faithful. When everything around me is falling apart. This is what he says in John 16.33. Jesus says I've come to tell you these things. In life you will have trouble. You will have trials. You will have affliction. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. But God. You overcome the world, that's nice, but I need help through the trouble. He says, yes, I have overcome the world. In this world, you will have trouble, meaning, there ain't no way of getting around it. Spoiler alert, you will have trouble. You're going to go through some things. But guess what? I have overcome the world because I already have given you the victory even if the battle is still being fought. Look to the end. Look to the future. It's done. You are protected. You are saved. I loved you. You will get through it even if you've got to die from it. Because... The afflictions of this world have no comparison to the eternal weight of glory that we are going to find in Christ Jesus. God is good, even when life is bad. So start talking to him. Start talking to him. And let his response be your confidence listening to a, a song by Brian and Katie Torwalt. They, were just, they just released a brand new song and they were they were having their CD released. The album, there was one song that they kind of kept back. A few months ago they had just lost their child. They'd been praying for breakthrough. They'd been praying for God's healing to take place. They've been praying for their their, their little child to be saved and and protected and and for the breakthrough to come. But the reality is they encountered death. And as they're sharing and prepping for this song to come on, they said, "Uh, how can we sing of God's miracles when we saw death? And the song that they start singing is reminiscent of the heartbeat that they needed to have when they talked to God and he said, my grace is sufficient. And this is the song says, I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles, the one who brings the dead to life. But my child is dead, but I believe in you. You are good. You're the God of miracles. The one who who makes the, the, the blind see. The ones who make the lame walk. Even though I saw misfortune, I still believe in you. And I dare would somebody in here say, I still believe in you. My situation may have not changed yet. I still believe in you. My breakthrough has not been come yet. I still believe in you. You are the God of miracles. Why? Because the simple fact that I'm still standing in this pain is the miracle that I need. believe in you. If you are in here and you are wrestling with something and you know there is a thorn in your flesh, I got a thorn. You got a thorn. All God's children got thorns. So if there is a thorn in your life, will you stand to your feet today and declare, I believe in you, God. I believe in you. You are the God of miracles. I may not have seen my breakthrough yet, but I believe in you. God, we stand here declaring that we believe in you that even though we can't see the end from the beginning, even though uh, we don't see the spoiler on this earth, we understand that is a grander spoiler alert in, in, in action because at the end of the day, Christ, you are still on the throne and you have the final say and you've got the victory. Even though we are going to face battles on this earth, we know that it is finished, that you, are, you have completed all the work that needed to get us through from this life to the next life. So God, we are standing declaring that Though it may look bleak on this side of heaven, on the other side, we've received our breakthrough. We have our healing. We see the fruition of your promises. And all your promises are yes and amen. They may not be declared and seen on this earth, but in heaven, we will surely walk into them. So God, we're asking that your grace will be sufficient. I pray God that when we can't even utter the voice to pray and come to you that the the groanings of our of our body will be interpreted by the Holy Spirit to the heavenly courts and God you will give voice to our groanings. And Lord I pray that you will answer. Because that's what your word says. And we know God that your word is sure. We may not have spoilers but we have promises. And you say that your word that goes forth does not return void. It will accomplish everything that you sent it out for. So today, Lord, we believe in you. You are the God of miracles. And Lord, maybe there's somebody in here who doesn't know you, who has not made a decision to follow you and they're they're struggling in their faith because at the end of the day, uh, they don't know how a good God could allow so much negativity and so much uh, pain uh, to take place all around us. But Lord, I pray that they may be encouraged in this moment, that they may know that God, you are above it all. You have this world in your hands and you've got them in your hands too. And if they would just simply submit their life to you, God, that they will be able to experience that peace, peace through the breakthrough or peace through the breaking. And God, if there's somebody in here who just needs to say yes to Jesus, say, Jesus, I'm I'm here. I've been broken. I don't know how to get to the next to the next level. I don't know how to move through this. I've got nothing else. I've tried to depend on myself, but today I'm going to put it on you because I need your power that will be made perfect in my weakness. I'm broken. I'm sinful. I need forgiveness. I've tried to do it on my own. And today I'm coming home to you. If you are in here right where you're at, we just slip your hand up. Right where you're at. I see your hand. Praise God. God, I pray that you would seal the commitment of this individual, Lord. I pray that as, as we all pray this together, God, this will be our our full heart's commitment to you. So let's say this together. Dear God, I believe in you. Sometimes it's hard when everything else is falling apart. But today, I declare you're the God of miracles. Forgive me, accept me, and make me whole. In Jesus Christ, who is Emmanuel, God with me. It is in his name I pray. Amen. Make some noise for Jesus this morning. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at given.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more messages like this one.